Today we have a very special recap for you by Rabbit. This will encompass episodes 57 to 66, which is a good place to stop right now because we are officially into the Minotaur City and the campaign is going to change quite a bit from here. So if you haven't been listening to all the episodes or you just want a review before we move on, uh, this is a good way to do so. it took Rabbit a really long time, I'm sure, to edit all these pieces together, and it may be the last recap we end up doing as we become a little more heavy into the role-playing and it becomes harder and harder to edit. So very funny and awesome job by Rabbit, and uh, enjoy this recap. Also, we're going to be away for a week um, and will not be around internet access. You will have a regular episode next Monday, but you won't see any tweeting and you won't see any Facebook page or deathtofordishonor.com activity for that week. However, you can still find the episode on iTunes, so look for that next week. It might even come out a little early, like Friday. And this is Death Before Dishonor. I'm Genesee. My character is Zanatari. She's a good-aligned Kalishtar war priest. I'm Daniel. This symbol is renowned for being associated with the Rod of Orcus, the artifact that I'm after. I'm Eric. My, my name is, is Cesar. I was a, a slave worker for the uh, Undead Armies of Thay for 75 years. I'm Kevin. I, I kind of have my own personal quest, I guess, uh, just to become a protector of people. And I'm Tinzian. Shall we start this over again? Some of the beauties of D&D. Can't end the story. Goes anywhere you want it. It does feel like there's something in the container besides some sort of liquid sloshing around. You can sort of feel something rolling around in the bottom of the, of the uh, container. Is there, is the town surrounded by, like, a wall entirely, or does it sort of, like, drop off into, like, foresty-type goodness somewhere along the, the line? There, it's a wall entirely. Okay, so I'm going to run towards the area where the tower was. Okay. Um, um, is it a nice spot? Are there flowers? Are there trees? Are there birds and stuff? Is it very serene? I'd like it, to... It is, it, like is, it, is, it is nice and serene for as far as a highly charged magical area of um, dubious temporal quality. Dramatic pause. Let's see. Uh, Mithrin. Yes. Where are you at in town through the shenanigans at the um, shrine? That is a very good question. Um, <laughs> Answer it for me. <laughs> Illuminate, elaborate. Um, I would, I would actually say that I would be near everyone else in the party, and having just watched uh, Thorn run off with the explosive device, I, I'm fairly certain that uh, I would be going. Wait, wait, where is he going? Okay. Um, I'd like you to roll a perception check, please. Absolutely. That's not a very good roll. Um. Let's see here. Sorry. Perception. All right, 17. Okay. You believe as uh, Thorn takes off, there's about a five-second period of time. Just as his footfalls are starting to slightly temper off, you hear a click, or believe that you do. And a small piece of metal sticks up and pops up from the hole where the urn was. And there is what appears to be a burning fuse mm-hmm. coming out from the uh, blocky thing. Upon seeing the fuse, uh, I will turn and look at Cesar and go, Here! Now! Old man, now! Now, now, now! Wait, where's that burning? Cesar cuts <laughs> the fuse. Okay. Due to your skills and your calmness, that uh, there appears to be some manner of secondary trap on the uh, blocky device itself, maybe like a, a needle or um, spike type trap. It looks like they were trying to potentially make room for additional explosives within this pit. Well, I, I, it looks like whoever was working on this was in a hurry, and they didn't quite get a chance to finish up, but... I think we're we're all good here, he says to the rest of them. One, we need to go find Thorn, because he just ran off with a bomb. 
Um, two, we should probably leave town as we're leaving, you know, and just head off because right now we're just causing more problems being here and innocent people are going to end up getting blown up because everyone's after us and we're here in town. We should probably leave. You are quickly on the path. The area that you are heading into, um, Winterhaven isn't exactly a hugely built up town. Um, but you seem to be heading to this rather curiously odd and open space, uh, just where nothing is built yet still enclosed within the town walls. There's something interesting scratched, uh, as you're running along, you happen to glance at the top of the barrel, and you happen to notice that there's, uh, a kind of a familiar sigil scratched into the top of the, the barrel. However, it also appears to have been scratched out as if defaced. You, you realize that the original sigil is a very much an, an emergency warning sign in the glyph language that your, some members of your tribe are known to use. If I recall, this would probably be the most accurate description of what Cesar referred to as Greek fire. Uh, yes. Interesting. Based on the, based on the limited description that he gave, um, this, the, the sloshing of liquid would be an interesting idea. It's rather a bit, rather a bit quiet, but you can hear sort of off in the distance the sound of what may be Thorn or someone running. Okay. Can I mentally talk to him then? Cause I should be able to do that. Just. Okay. I would like to mentally talk to him and just, I guess, ask him where he's going and if he's okay. Mm-hmm. Where are you? I am in a street. Where are you? I am also in a street. That is good. I am glad. You. I see. Could you stop running? No, I cannot stop running. Can you stop running? I can, but then you will be alone. <laughs> Okay, you are able to, uh, one, note that there does not appear to be any sort of acrid odor coming from the container, mm -hmm. and you are able to uh, pull the cap off of the container. I, I shout back, good news, everybody! It hasn't exploded yet! <laughs> <laughs> there was much rejoicing. The... Problem is, is that when you pull the other item out, uh, it is a metallic object, sort of a but size of a pack of playing cards. Mm -hmm. And once it is out of the liquid, it pops a, a metallic piece pops open, so it looks sort of like a very smaller version of a drum kickstand. I'm going to roll up within about five feet, and I'm going to say, So, hey, you got a bomb there. What you doing, buddy? Bert feels very, uh, the Ion Stone. Yeah. Uh, feels very strongly regarding the um, cylinder that is still in Thorne's possession. There are four small gobstopper-sized, uh, what appear to be pearls of different hues um, in the wisdom. container. Cesar, as you're doing that, um, you sort of realize that there is a uh, small little sphere that's in that opening. It's being held in there just enough, um, but it looks like it, like that sphere should have fallen out of the uh, container. The last time you guys saw the tower, it was presented with a image of a minotaur's head on the front door. As the party is meandering around Thorn and trying to determine what the symbols are on top of the cask and so forth. There is a rather large shadow that passes above and remains above the party. Anyone glancing up will see that the tower and perhaps the associated bakery has returned. Thorn passes through into the tower. He is... Replaced almost as if um, there's two sides of the coin by the charging figure of a minotaur that comes busting through what appears to be 
a kicked-in shed door. A minotaur comes charging through, uh, full of purpose. I, I just stop, like, dead in my tracks, and I look, and I'm like, Ooh, what the hell just happened? And as you turn around and look, uh, you see what appears to be a field through the door as a, another door slams shut with the image of a razor claw shifter with a rod of orcus in its jaw, sort of like a dog bone. What the hell's going on? You were dead. You were dead for a long time, and now you're alive again. I, I was, uh, uh, actually I wasn't dead, I just ran through the door. What door? Where were you? Um, right next to you when I went charging into the shed. You guys are able to find yourself a spot to um, leave the chemical batch. And, Cesar, are you going to keep the detonator uh, yeah. piece? Okay. Who did you say uh, Thorn gave the other container to? Mid Thorn. Yes, I had it. And I'm just setting it down. Okay. Very good. So you are setting the... I pick it up. You happen to glance at the sky. There's still the image of the blood-red sort of orange moon with the constellation of the Hand of Vecna. However, there is, as you look up, uh, what appears to be a comet extending from what would be the extended pointed finger of the constellation of the Hand of Vecna. Hey, Cesar. Yeah. I think I heard you say that you wanted to try the door. Yes, I do. Uh, and how would you like to try the door? With my hand on the knob and the yeah. other hand on the door. You applied uh, just normal door opening procedure, yes? Yes. Okay. Open the door. When you open the door, you encounter a familiar yet stark raving scene. There's a table in a room. And at the room is what appears to be a lich and some sort of multi-horned demon. Um, I guess if there was like a short crown of thorns and then two of the sort of classic Disney, the horns go shooting back, but you know, like a really large one, uh, wings of flame and so forth. It doesn't take you long to realize that you've seen this room. In fact, this is the room that uh, at one point belonged to the mistress that you were slaved to in the Red Wizards of Thay area. Uh, slam the door and run away. You hear something, a whisper in your mind. And it just, it's, it's a simple, very simple whisper. And you realize that they're playing chess, but the simple word is conspiracy, which is followed maybe 15 seconds later by, or what feels like 15 seconds later, is um, that word doom again. The gaze of both of them turn towards what would have been normally the door that you would have used to enter the chamber. Uh -huh. um, and there is sort of this wave of force that suddenly hits the door and was aimed at you, but hit the door, and the door slams shut. And you can almost hear sort of for just, just long enough the sound of claws scraping across a doorway. Okay. But um, I would like to open the door, and I, I plan on opening it uh, cautiously. As you start to open the door, you are witness to, well, first your nose smells a familiar sort of smoky scent. There's like soon the sound, kind of smoky, wood burning, a hearth. Uh, this is soon joined by the sound. Cherry tobacco. Soon joined by the sounds of what appears to be cups or flagons put upon a wooden or stone bar top. Some, something mm -hmm. as you open up the, the shades of the low light are in the right spots. And you open, when you fully open door, I presume you do at some point. Yes. Fully yes. open. Yep. You bear witness to 
the great room of your parents' inn. You've come to realize, on wondering, that although your parents turn a tidy profit, your father has never had this much money before. And what sort of individual would your mom be talking to if that individual had a crown of thorns? (laughs) Not any individual I know. Thorns back over the head and fire your wings tucked nicely together so as not to crisp or char the interesting tables. Uh, Yeah, that uh, would not be anyone that I would ever be aware of in that place. A hand comes around the doorway and pushes the door closed right in your face. And it looked like a decidedly non-human hand. As you're pounding on the door, every pound you just sort of hear this word in your head. Conspiracy. Xanatari, do you wish to play with the door? No, I I don't. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to assume that it is trickery and that there's nothing uh, good on the other side, and I'm going to try to console Midthrin, but uh, leave that leave that alone. Okay. Tear the door from the hinges, that way they can't close it. <laughs> That's Thorn. thinking outside of the box. Yep. Wherever you have been the last episode, door of the tower pops open once again as everyone mm-hmm. is consoling one another and trying to figure out what has happened. And Thorn is standing there. Hello! Going back to the door and returning through the door, uh, you find this time that whatever space you had been, been in before is replaced on the other side of the door by a sort of uh, rainy, windswept, thunder, not covered, but thunder-infused area. Uh, looks sort of like Wales, I guess. Some the Rocky Mountainous parts of Wales. On the other side, and there is a large uh, wide path, and there are some wagons mm-hmm. that are traveling through uh, on the path, mm-hmm. and you get some kind of funny looks as you suddenly appear on your side. Um, and suddenly there's, you know, a doorway in the middle of the air and kind of hanging out there. Um, but they don't really stop. I wouldn't expect them to. They're on a very tight schedule. Yes. I'm going to walk with them. Okay. Um, I'm going to stand up and, uh, approach the doorway and yell, Thorn, get over here! We need your help now! I hear it, but I'm not sure whether it's real or not. Um, as far as I'm aware, like, I've left a keg there, and the keg was real, and the caravans look pretty damn real, and the rain and the thunder is pretty real as well, um, so I stop, and I look around, um, sort of for the voice, um, and I actually pull an arrow out of my quiver and knock it in my bow, um, because I've heard of these things called doppelgangers, and God only knows it could be one of those preparing to attack the caravan. So I would yell, Thorn! Get out of there! It's it's a trap! Yes. Thorn is within grasp and approaching the doorway. I shall grasp him firmly and yoink out of the time tower. The door slams shut and then immediately opens again. Scissor slams it shut. (laughs) The door slams shut and starts to pop open towards you. Scissor slams it shut. (laughs) The door falls inward. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) Like the whole thing? It it, it does the... (laughs) Scissor, are you falling towards the door or away from the door? Um, well, let's see. I slammed it shut and it fell in, so I was probably falling in. I I look at Mithra and say, help me pick the door up. It's inside the doorway, correct? Yes. yes. We're going to go inside the doorway and pick the door up. And then it's still into the same moor that we pulled uh, Thorn out of, correct? Yes. This I is, this is chaos. Idea. It's a good idea. Just let me try it. 
don't know. I, I know no. we don't know. And and the thing is, it's I, I think this is we have important things to do at the seven pillared hall. We're never gonna get there. We need but this is some way to get this now. tower out of here or get out of here. That's that's what I think as as uh what we should do. You know, so I, I'm not gonna let anybody in that door. There is the sound of a knock from the other side of the door. So, Xantari, there's a knock. You knock back, yes? Yes. And there is a reply knock. Xantari, you feel the familiar pop and sizzle in your head that you have come to know as being some sort of psionic activity versus you, because you have that skill that damnably keeps fouling up all of my good intentions. Right. You're saying there's a we're being attacked. It's a <laughs> mental attack. Well, there was there there was something there was something that attempted to take a swig at you. You feel it immediately go with the sound as if it's being cranked by twenty men. Starts to creak, close, and stand back up, much like a drawbridge. The sound, you know, that classic sound of. Yep, the draw, the drawbridge. Yep. The door is closed on the tower. The tower, while this is all going on, and as Thorne is attempting to uh, reach out for the doorway, begins to fade out. We have money to buy gear, and my gear has all been blown up except for this fancy new, you know, stick that I don't really quite understand. Mm-hmm. Um, that Cesar said he was going to help me out with, but uh, we need to resupply before we head out in the morning or next day or whenever we're heading out. We need to get some gear. Okay. So I would be looking for uh, Cesar and uh, that uh, supply of cash that he supposedly has. I would greet Jeff and thank him for the cleanup job, and uh, I guess let him know that I'm going to leave in the area on a quest and give him a little bit of gold to maintain himself in the shrine. Uh, we need that, uh, cash that we got from the future in order to gear up. Remember you said that, like, we were going to have to buy some gear and... Well, I, I wonder if maybe we'll have more luck, uh, when we get to our destination. Uh, I, th- I think that, that, that being the, the trading hub that it is might have more selection for us than this backwater sort of town. I, I think we've... At least I've kind of exhausting all the uh, exhausted all the, the the shopping opportunities there seem to be here. <laughs> oh, by the way, though, um, as as you are doing this, um, some members of the town spot you, and they are the ones that were at the wall uh, from a couple episodes ago when you were coming in. Right. Yep. And they are coming up to you, and they start saying that. They have still yet to find bodies of any of the town militia, and it appears that only they are available for the town's defense. So, regrettably, they cannot go with you because, um, you know, they're needed here. Right. But they seem to be looking to you to perhaps appoint or name or choose one of them as the nominal head of a new militia. Right. While you well, work away. Well, um, I, w- I would look at them all, and uh, I would say, you know, you are all very brave, brave uh, townsfolk to be taking on, you know, the responsibility of taking care of your friends and neighbors, which is excellent. Um, while we are away um, doing our thing, um, I believe I'm going to appoint Smythe. Uh, to be at least the nominal leader to to appoint uh you know rotations and guard duties and things like that because he seems to be very good with his uh bookkeeping skills um, as far as a you know leader in combat, I will leave that for you guys to decide because you know your own valor more than i i um i'm uh, on my mountain ready to go we stocked up on all the essentials and uh I've got a uh, belt pouches full of what's its and fizz gigs and whirly gigs and who's its what you call a mutzits and I'm ready to go. How's your stock of dual mahikis? 
Ooh, they're a little low. I run back and get a couple more of those real quick. <laughs> Is anyone going to start off down this path and not necessarily be part of the group uh, or is everyone going to kind of follow the map to, to start with just so I can get a idea of the road ahead? Thorn? <laughs> yeah, you know me too well. <laughs> Onward to adventure! Okay. <laughs> Getting to the rock field takes you about half a day. This time it is without issue. There's Definitely, even without having a good sense of nature, it's a lot quieter than it perhaps should be. Getting to the rock field takes you about half a day. This time it is without issue. There's definitely, even without having a good sense of nature, it's a lot quieter than it perhaps should be. Um, uh, actually, if everybody wants to come over here and see the the smoke rising over there? I, I believe that's where uh, the future past travelers, oh, uh, the other us that I met, uh, they were over there. We maybe should take a look, see if they left anything behind for us. Yep. There's a, uh, a rock cairn um, nearby, and it looks quite fresh. Um, I, do, is there any markings on the cairn at all? Like any uh, religious markings or any uh, symbols or anything along that line? Can I check uh, perception or something for that? Runes. Yeah, runes. Mm -hmm. There are runes, and in fact, there's actually a uh, a, a wooden type ball, um, probably about the size of a softball. Okay. And it bears uh, markings similar to those on your staff. Okay, so can I read it? Uh, at this present time. No, it's some sort of gibberish. Okay, this is a problem. Um, hmm. Okay, so um, can I identify the rock that needs to be removed to access the items within? Pretty much, you'd have to just kind of start dismantling bits and pieces, but you can find the side that would be easier to do that on. Yeah. Okay. I see you're picking apart that stack there, are you? Trying to get something inside? I believe there might be items and treasure inside. Stand back. Oh, oh, oh all right. Yeah, wait, 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 come here. Hold this rock. <laughs> now stand over there. <laughs> what appears to be a container is starting to appear. And there is a small fragment of um, a mathematical formula that is uh, crudely written onto the container above what appears to be a, a lock of some kind. Cesar would uh, sort of elbow Thorn uh, over a little bit just to get room so he could crouch down or wherever it is. Maybe it's not down, but to, to peer at the, at the equation and at the lock and to, uh, you know, just basically get a, a closer view and maybe pull out a, magnifier or something just to to get a good look at it and Ooh, what 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 what's this i've found here hmm. it, it might as well say on off with a, a switch yeah okay yeah. um i say hold 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 on a second thorn don't touch anything and uh he disengages it as far as he can tell he turns it or flips it or unlocks it or whatever i am going to let each of you pick the treasure type for another member of the party. And then we will try and see what goes on, since, you know, usually someone who fails gets to have some fun. Explain how this works. Okay. Uh, inside this treasure chest, there could either be an armor or a weapon or an item that would go to be, be, be there sort of rigged for thorn. Yeah, I'm going to go armor. Okay. And what kind of armor? I would say leather armor. Okay. Anything in terms of a particular sign or emblem or something that might set it apart? Purple. <laughs> I love purple. Okay. Thorn, you have yes. a plus three. Plus, all right, hold on. Leather. Plus three set of leather. 
leather studded armor. Purple. Purple. Yes. Which makes it minus two. <laughs> it's that's... fabulous. And, uh, <laughs> Thorn, go ahead and roll an arcane check. An arcane check? I can do that. Natural 20, baby. Oh my god. Okay. Mm. Well, we will, we will get to the natural 20 in a moment, but you are able to determine that there is, um, a one charge per rest period featherfall. Let's say, uh, maybe a magical amulet. Okay. And what are your, what are your thoughts on this magical amulets? Maybe something that's not so much religious and reminiscent of her god, but something more along the lines of her people, okay. the Kalashtar. Okay. Well, uh, Xanatari, having shown both your strength of character and strength of conviction, there is often talk amongst your people in their regards that the warriors sometimes develop additional strengths. And let us have this be an amulet of berserking. I would like your insight for Mithrin. Well, I saw that coming, so I think what Mithrin finds is a set of... It's basically a, a pan flute. Oh, <laughs> that's Zanfair. pretty cool. Yes. Um, each vowel or, f like, flute tube, I don't know what they're called, is uh, is carved from a different type of wood. Um, and they're, they're strapped together with um, different colored, like, fibers. Uh, you know, like, basically threads of different color and it is unadorned but he can see the possibility for possible carvings into it as well as the, the ones that he puts into his staff okay <laughs> Mithrin I will give you the pipe flute of fascination oh snap you'd probably play it you know have little accents as you wanted to but just kind of hearing it, people would start to pay attention, and you may have a bonus to your charisma or your bluff, depending on how the story goes. More than likely, what is in there is actually a book. And uh, when Cesar picks up this book, um, he's going to open it and find something quite extraordinary happens. No, actually, uh, as he as he opens the book... Uh, the book actually morphs a little bit and turns into a crossbow of sorts. And if he shuts it, it turns back into a book that he would use, you know, just like he would his normal one. But as he shuts it, you know, it would go back into a book. And so he, it's concealed. It's nice. And also, I would believe it would have something to do with his equations. Then, Cesar, what I give you is a hand crossbow of concealment. Um, it'll be somewhat difficult if you are searched for someone to presume it to be a weapon. It'll has some beguiling ability to it that it will look, uh, uh, you know, be taken for face value as a book unless they are actively really searching kind of thing. So we'll, we'll play that by role sure. play. It is plus three. Um, you will find that, uh, it fits your particular brand of, Smaller scale, you have to smaller scale your crossbow bolts a bit, but it's definitely something of your tinkering and engineering. Okay. And once per, once per, uh, rest period, you get the feeling that it has the capability to perhaps launch some form of that equation that you saw. Okay. You happen to notice that there was a, uh, sort of other container opening further down the current chest on the outside that uh, had sort of a um, opening mechanism that you sort of maybe had some initial concept thoughts about um, down the way as far as trying to squirrel away a few things back when you were with uh, Phylora, you know, just trying to hide things here and there. But uh, okay. there, if, you, if you're a little 
casual about it, you might be able to uh, find something else. Okay. Just sort of maybe just, you know, say I'm, ch- you know, I'm, I'm going to go uh, make sure this thing is all cleared out and uh, maybe, you know, make it look like my attention is on the, the inside of the main compartment and then start fiddling around with the, the secret catch okay. or whatever. And while this is all going on, you have noticed, uh, Mithrin, that Dagger Rock is getting agitated. Um, mm. It's getting spooked as if there's something in the area. Okay. Um, seems pretty nervous. Um, more more battle-ready than nerves, like, like fear, but more just sort of this intense in- anticipation, but there's, with all the checks kind of going along, um, those who have made them, there's something that sounds like a whole lot of shouting um, and snapping of uh, branches and twigs that's a good distance off. The chest um, goes from a chemical smell in light wisping to suddenly turning into the equivalent of a magnesium phosphorus uh, match head and blows into um, complete and utter glaring torchlight. A large group of what appear to be orcs burst forth uh, sort of a large war party or raiding party of roughly about 30 orcs bursts out of the uh, woods and begins running down um, the path, not the path, but the the rock field towards the rocks where the um, purple worm and everything else. Right. That group seems as if it has been sent on purpose down that way, but you are hearing that there is another potential group or something is being either driven by this horde running through the area, or that is only part of something that is running through the area. And whatever the other part is, is running directly in towards the party. By the way, your view and positioning is beneficial to you, but whatever is causing, whatever has that other orc, on, orc horde on going down the hill, they have either not seen the extreme light coming from the burning kern, or they are purposely ignoring it because they have other assignment. Mithrin, Dagger Rock is there to defend you. You have fought valiantly. Perhaps a vision or two of your life have passed before your eyes. There is <laughs> So short! Oh, God! Yeah. <laughs> there is wonder as to what your parents are doing. Perhaps an epitaph or two written in your mind Mm. but no this day this day fates are somewhat with you you have failed you have fallen deep and hard onto the ground your arm your right one is able to take the blow of the axe as it's come down due to your most recent purchase though the ornamentation that is on your, uh, what is it called? Bam brace? Sure. Yep, yep, yep. Is able to deflect the blow just enough that you can still feel your arm attached within the armor. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have an arm fingers, still. This is great. Your fingers are immediately numb. In uh. fact, you're not quite sure if you can feel them. You're not quite sure if you can feel your arm. Normally such a blow, even if it was deflected, very much in your skilled, somewhat, you know, yet developing mind of of being combatant, uh, you should at least be screaming in pain. And uh, I would would have one arm around Mithrin and try to haul him to his feet and um, get him in a stirrup so he could pull himself up, hopefully, with his one arm. In fact, Mithrin, Dagger Rock is so either well-trained or experienced in hauling you out that it is already heading towards a kneeling the, the down position for the horse. Wow. Um, and it seems to be moving his head towards either to grab you 
or to make sure as to what's going on is what actually happens. Your head, based upon this first wave of magic from Xanatari, uh, starts to clear, and you are able to feel uh, the tinglings of what could be a considerable avalanche of pain traveling up your arm. This is a great improvement in your mind that you can steal yourself behind and with your training start to overcome and uh, regain use. He pulls out a uh, crossbow bolt. It's a single bolt and uh, it's inscribed with slightly glowing red, uh, like a red spiral around it. He loads it in. Shoots there. Uh, he uh, aims the crossbow up, almost like a like a mortar, like off of his shoulder, sort of a, in an arc. Nice. And he, sh- he shoots the, and he he you know sort of figures out the trajectory, you know, calculations, and uh, he fires. And it's, the the instant the bolt leaves his uh, crossbow, it blossoms into a sphere, and it shoots on this arc up and right into the middle of as many orcs as he can see and explodes and I get to choose the damage type too. I get to choose, let's see, it's going to be uh, acid. So, it arcs up and it actually lands, it doesn't actually hit anybody, it strikes the ground right in the center of a like the majority of the orcs and what the sphere does is it hits the ground, it compresses and then it in a flat plane, it just ejects a spray all around it of this. It's acid, but it's actually like a like a turquoise color, and it just shoots out. And anywhere it hits any of the orcs, it immediately just ankle down. And it, they, you know, at that point, they have you know no feet, no ankles, and they <laughs> do what you would imagine. You know that they right down onto the exposed stump, scream in pain, and then are dealing with that as the ass, and then they, you know, onto the ground and lay land on whatever residual acid is there, and it starts eating into them very quickly. Cesar, you sadistic bastard! <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, you know, since this is a dusk and dawn, you know, are some of the most dangerous times in which to travel because it's hard to, you know, distinguish shapes even if you have low light vision. I'm going to say, let's proceed with very, very uh, much caution. Um, you know, maybe just at a slow, slow walk until we at least get some good daylight and then we should probably, you know, beat feet again. As you guys break from the tree line and out into the rock field, You hear at a rather considerable distance the sound of uh, what appears to be a wolf. This is a howl not of hunting, not of stalking, but one of pain and almost a sense of foreboding loss. You travel for a good 15-20 minutes and... Daggerrock's ears start to show sort of an alertness, which is followed soon after by Clyde. You've gone up maybe a good uh, half mile up this path and emerge out onto uh, what appears to be a mm, very wet kind of swampy grassland. As you do that, to your nose and to your nose alone, there is the faint odor of sheep. I love a sheep. About a half mile out, you are able to see in the distance, uh, somewhat rising up above you, there's hmm, about a 2% slope, a vast herd of what appear to be sheep. And at this distance, there is a figure that is what appears to be sitting under one of these sort of craggy bluffs. And on top appears to be a large dog. All of you 
are wise enough at this point in time with distances and things to know that the size of this herd, one, is quite extensive. But two, the size of the things involved for a half mile away, pretty damn skewed. Uh, it is very easy, even without the check, to, at this, okay. at this range, you can still clearly see that the, the wolf is atop the, the bluff. You almost get the feeling, oddly enough, that um, within the Kalish car, there's various rights in various uh, activities when it comes to either conducting the dead to another world or perhaps saving one who is close to death from malignant spirits. The kind of thing that you're feeling is that there is a warding going on, that there is something that it is trying to keep either to chase away or to keep alert and present. The figure itself that's leaning there is probably as tall as uh, probably about um, three houses. Okay. Sitting down. So probably, <laughs> probably standing up, probably 60 to 70 feet tall. That is a large uh, dude. Perspective of your average sort of, I guess in our case, uh, Labrador retriever to human. Uh-huh. Put that in comparison to, you know, or wolf to human size comparison, and that's roughly the size of the. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if this guy is sitting, when this guy is sitting, he's th three houses. Yeah. Yeah. We can assume that the dog is roughly two and a half. As Thorn is moving up, and you guys move into the fifty-foot range, um, there's. A moment where it looks like the figure sort of turns one of its eyes um, down to look at you for the briefest of moments before it kind of glazes over and slumps um, even more in the sitting position. Well, I think he's dead. Mm-hmm. Before you were able to intercept uh, the between, put yourself between the two of them, there is a very mournful sort of gasping howl. There is an immediate sense of loss and sadness. The wolf, be it the sheepdog, be it whatever, apparently cared enough for the shepherd, and before it fully uh, finishes the howl, it collapses onto, so its head is on the lap of the shepherd. What was your perception check again? 19. 19. Um, you see something red and white um, sticking out from a side bag, kind of a satchel bag, uh, that the shepherd has. You're able to pull out a section of fabric that is, oh, I want to say, a good 40 by 40 feet. And it has, uh, it looks sort of like a flag or a banner of some kind. Aww. Maybe a handkerchief. There's an um, image of a minotaur and a set of uh, scales, sort of like an old-fashioned um Scale balance. balance scale. And this is 40 feet long? Yes. Well, there, there's, there's one other thing. Um, there does seem to be a series of markings on this. On the flag? Yes. Other than the minotaur? Yes. Okay, what, can I look at the markings? Yes. Um, they don't make much sense to you, but uh, Mithrin? Yo. Could you roll a perception check, please? Absolutely. <laughs> Seventeen. It looks like some sort of figure that you've seen um, your parents use when doing accounting. So it might be some sort of ledger number or some sort of function along those lines. Mithrin, due to your positioning uh, to study um, the two great fallen forms, you realize that there is a large ring on one of the fingers of the giant. 
Mm. Um, can I see what metal it's made out of just from a distance? Is it what color? Or... Appears to be gold. Mm. Hot um, there is writing um, sort of on the... You don't have to look underneath it, so it's not there, but right. um, along the side of the band um, in what would be, for us, very small writing, but for you looking at this thing, it's rather larger. It just says Beloved. I would finish skinning my swath off of the wolf and uh, and say, should we take some mutton? Are we good? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine without the wolf meat. <laughs> no, no, um, the wolf meat. How big, a, how big a swatch of the wolf did you take? Oh, like four foot. Okay. Jesus. Well, if we're, uh, if we're pilfering from the dead, I'm going to take my fair share of the gold ring that's on his finger. <laughs> Smith. Instant smithing kit. <clears throat> I'm going to roll my thievery check to scrape off. <laughs> Big pocket, roll my giant ring. <laughs> Thorn. So yes. I presume that you rolled a twenty. Yes. And we haven't talked for a little while. Yes. And you're not eating at the moment. <laughs> I'm not. I think that you will get something extra. Hooray! You manage to get the gold off, yes. but as you are in the process of moving the ring in terms of, you know, just pushing on it to try and scrape, you do find that the ring does move a bit, but as it gets to um, a smaller part of the finger, mm -hmm. the ring shrinks Ooh. to fit that portion of the finger. Okay, so in that case, I'm going to try and wiggle the, the entire thing off. Poor Thorn. He was so valiant. He had oh, such a great deal of strength as he was, you and help, were helping. But they're just, you know, the fates just must not, must not like him quite that much because just that last oh, little bit seems to hook on, you know, some portion of the finger. And suddenly it goes loose, but he kind of, Thorn kind of falls back and knocks his head against the uh, fingernail, one of the fingernails, and happens to knock himself off out just as soon as the ring comes popping off. <laughs> and the ring... You take the ring, I swear to God. He will. I'm sending the you ring. When he helped you. The ring come to that. pops down immediately to regular human size. Moving on... You guys are able to uh, proceed down the road towards another set of mountains and what appears to be another pass uh, into a higher plateau. Um, I guess if you're going up the side of the left wall, mm -hmm. from the overhang of the left wall, uh, a green screaming form with uh, silver, what appear to be metal-type weapons, comes leaping down from above uh, towards where you were with uh, Fluffy, Would you had you been on the ground in the center of the passage. Behind all the rest of you, uh, you hear a screaming, curdling death shouts and uh, the sound of something crunching into the ground. As this sound happens, you hear more of the same screaming in sort of a discordant, bonsai-sounding mass. You have charged forward. There is perhaps horror, terror, and much mess behind you. But as you come bursting out of the passageway uh, that you were galloping for, there is perhaps a new horror that assails you. This being ten large, well-armed minotaurs charging. As soon as I see the minotaurs, do I see that? Do they have any uh, uh, insignias, emblems, or anything that, like uniform-like, anything like that, or are they just ragtag? Uh, they seem to be similarly dressed. Um, they seem to be running in a uniformish line. Actually, quite charging. Okay. Um, um, there's there is a there is a group. Some of the group is charging towards you guys. 
Yep. Some are charging away, so to take them up onto what would be the top of the passageway. They're, they're still in front of you, but uh, if you were to turn towards the direction that you were coming, they are still uh, off to your right. Um, mm-hmm. Two of them are still fixed polearm weapons. Uh, three others are still uh, have moved their weapons and are starting to move towards um, you all at a somewhat cautious, right, uniform pace. Uh, the other minotaurs are probably seconds from engaging whatever mass of orcs was behind. Um, I would like to dismount from Dyrock, uh, but still keeping his reins in my left hand. And uh, walk towards them and say, and say, you know, peace, peace, we come in peace, we're being chased by these orcs. I would like to roll a perception and see if, um, like, my temptation is to take this flag out, um, but I don't really know if we'll be assumed to have killed the giant if we do that, but if it's a citizenship pass or some sort of a pass, it might help us. So I want to examine like them to see if I see any symbols or any clan markings or anything like that they're wearing to the ones closest to me. There is a emblem of a minotaur head on each of them. Okay. But there is not the scales, the the balance scales um, that is on the other thing. But the head emblem otherwise matches what's on the flag or document or whatever you have. I'm going to just kind of unroll it to about here and just hold it up so you could see like partial symbol on it. Okay. Um, Mithrin, you have uh, attention turned upon you at first and then there is attention put upon Xanatari when she produces this item. Given that the seven uh, pillar hall is is known for being a trading domain. Uh, I'm going to dismount off my um, off my mount and reach into one of my side um, satchels and pull out the two gems that I pickpocketed from Cesar. <laughs> now bear with me, bear with me. I hold them up to show them, place them on the ground, and then I sketch the symbol of the 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 scales. Um, and indicate to them that I'm a trader looking to trade these items. You get a good deal of interest, Thorn, and mm-hmm. you kind of get the feeling that uh, as, as one of the um, Minotaurs starts to move away from the other two and approach you directly, Sort of keeping, it, it looks like it's going to try and keep itself between you and the rest of the party. You sort of are, are getting, feeling that you are being studied for what may be around your neck. Kind of like, you know, are, do you have any weird patches um, uh, that are worn away with the fur and or the skin like is a, chafed or something like you had been almost, wearing? Almost like looking for either like a, a mask of type or, or whether I'd been like enslaved at some yeah, point. Yeah. Yes. Or a mask or something along those lines. Kind of holds a hand out and um, instead of it being palm up like it wants something or is trying to get something or grasp like a, a piece of the bridle that's on Fluffy um, does sort of uh, pinches its fingers together as if either dipping a tea bag or uh, jingling a purse and makes some sort of motion like that. Ah, uh, payment. Um, okay, so I reach into my, my satchel, uh, and I pull out, um, oh, I divide up a few coins into another smaller bag and hand it to the, uh, the Minotaur. The Minotaur puts his hand out in, in, the, in a stopping gesture. Uh, and okay. doesn't, doesn't take the purse at all. Um, it seems mildly offended. You and again, dead. again makes the the gesture, and then points to the two gems on the ground. Okay, I'm gonna have to roll an insight check to get some more information okay. on this. If you are a trader, you don't have obviously a caravan with you, so therefore you must not be a seller. Are you a buyer, and therefore do you have currency? 
in that case, so I I then uh, open. Uh, I guess I take out my 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 money purse. Mm-hmm. Um, the the in fact the the amount that says is divided up amongst us, and open the bag to show them um, the coins, um, as well as the two gems, like placing them inside the ba- the bag as well. He'll uh, he'll follow suit with what Thorn did and uh, open up the one saddlebag that has the appropriate amount of coinage in it that Thorn did as well, and uh, and show it and say, "Is this what you're looking for?" I'm gonna have to do a little bit of a retcon on the size of the flag because I realize I'm completely way out of uh, whack on that. So let's do it as a as a twenty by twenty. Ah, thank you. Because otherwise, 40 I would be 40. unrolling it for the next right. forty minutes. It just <laughs> in, in the back of my mind, I'm kind of like, hmm. And then I realize, wait, he's a four story. Yes, uh, there is a lot of attention paid to the. Um, uh, how shall we say it? The, the piece of cloth that you pull out. Okay. It points to the symbol, and then it points to each of you, and it shakes its head. It's not that I don't want to give it to him. I just kind of want to explain, and I'm trying to think how to do that best. I do have two two way telepathy within five squares. I can't communicate with him better than this. If you would like to try that. Uh, Sure, we can go ahead and... Be careful it doesn't offend him, though. I will try to give it, like, mental imagery of a series of of scenes from the giant and the sheep and then the orcs and then, you know, the dead giant. And so they can understand that we didn't kill the giant, but we have the flag. And then I would give it to him. As you do this, the minotaur um, looks stunned surprised for a moment, uh, sort of looks around, and then looks back at Xanatari, and I would wiggle points, holy symbol at him. points to you, <laughs> and then points to its head, and kind of cocks his head to the side. Okay. I would point at my head and nod at him. Okay. Standing up, the with the rest of the minotaurs that had fought the orcs uh, queuing up behind the group, uh, gestures for the party to uh, follow it onwards, back towards uh, where they came from and where you were trying to head to. Anybody choose to not follow the lead minotaur? Okay, so is he leading us back outside? Le- leading you further on in the direction that you wanted to go in the first place. Oh, okay, well, no, cool. Follow. Follow along. Mm-hmm. Leading you on, it is perhaps another half mile before the party crests a ridge. And what is before you is a rather overlooking, a rather large valley. Uh probably two miles by a mile wide. Bordering this valley are seven mountains reaching and surrounding the, uh, the valley. Um, and they're quite high, but it's sort of this, this mountain range. But there are seven distinct pillars. Both of you, on seeing this stunningly beautiful image laid out before you, there's the nagging horrible gut feeling how these things are the these crown of mountains look somewhat similar to the crown of thorns and horns that was worn on uh, that demon or devil or creature that uh, in your case was playing chess with your former slave mistress and Mithrin the one that was calmly and uh, chatting with your mom at the inn from a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Not the not the exact same, but close enough. Of note is the fact that there appears to be no visible settlements or city above ground in the valley. Uh, the valley looks pristine. Um, you can see things flying over the valley. And you can see carts going into what appears to be an extremely large gated uh, hole. 
can't see the video, uh, you've missed both, but... What? Did you just fall? Thorn fell out of his chair. I'm fine! (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually stuck! Are you okay? (laughs) The gravity is so much stronger on the southern continent. It really is. Well, I mean, it is... It's closer to the bottom. I was just gonna say, it is down, you know? (laughs) I got my now, foot stuck under my desk. Now, now did, you, did you fall in the opposite direction that we would have oh. fallen? <laughs> uh, yeah, I fell up. I actually did the ceiling. Man. Good. Lisa will be happy to hear that on, on the, uh, the thing. Nice. What would be an appropriate critical while trying to do a strength check on such a... The ring slides onto its neck and then shrinks so much it pops his head off. He he scratches himself badly on the hangnail of the giant and gets an infected cut. He <laughs> falls into the wall, the, the wall's open mouth, and gets sucked down inside it. He gets whiplashed by the knuckle hair of the giant. <laughs> he stumbles into the giant's <laughs> and he finds the giant isn't wearing any underwear. Oh, Cesar! And everyone knows what happens after you die. Ooh. <laughs> Private confrontation. Not like that. Maybe some discipline? <laughs> you better hope to it. That's what Join I Join me on my things. wolf pelt blanket. <laughs> you better hope to whatever god you praise that she doesn't pray to her own god. Otherwise you'll end up like a drow in the forest. <laughs> you are a horrible person. Oh, is that shocking to hear? Thank you for naming this episode Wolf Pelt Nights or something. I'm so I've I'm an adjustable ring that we can use. Oh God! <laughs> On the wolf pelt. I'll need to make it smaller though. <laughs> um, what am I gonna do? I don't know. Um, probably go make a sandwich. So thank you for listening. You can find out more at deathd4dishonor.com, subscribe on iTunes, and find us on Twitter at deathd4. Please take a listen to the Gray Area Podcast about advice and interviews on relationships between gamers and the Super Number One Podcast with Kevin and Andrew. One topic, two geeks, several beers. One at grayareapodcast.com and the other at supernumberone.lipson.com. Join us for our worldwide adventure and stay tuned for next week as we continue our travels or in five minutes.